Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. It's great to see all of you. Wanted to welcome you. If this is your first time joining us, we especially want to say welcome to you. Uh, we are glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. If you'll do us just a couple of favors while you're here, number one is we hope that you'll uh, take a moment to stop by one of our information centers and pick up uh, a gift for you, which is this book. Um, it's just our way of saying thanks so much uh, for joining us today. And then uh, secondly, I want to point out that if you'll do us a favor and uh, fill out this connection card, which is inside of the bulletin that you should have received on your way in, that gives us a record of you being with us today. And we are so glad that you're here. I want to share a couple of announcements with you before we jump into this morning's message, uh, and that is that Faith Day at the Rockies uh, is next Sunday, August 7th, and so if you plan to go to the game, we need to know today, uh, and if you could uh, write out a check and put Rockies in the memo, it's $23 per ticket. Uh, that gives you entrance into the game and also uh, into the concert uh, by Crowder after the game, and so uh, we hope that you'll join us. There's a group of us going, and we would love to have you join us, uh, so make Make sure you fill out your connection card today, and then we will let them know exactly how many tickets that we need uh, tomorrow morning. So, uh, but we hope that you'll join us for that. Uh, the second thing I want to mention is coming up on August 21st is our next family resource event. Uh, we are calling this event uh, Nutrition for Busy Families. Uh, this is going to be a really great time. Uh, our, uh, our, own present, our presenter is Kaylin Hamilton, one of our own. She's a uh, registered uh, dietitian nutritionist. That sounds pretty fancy, doesn't it? Uh, she's gone through a lot of school and, and uh, to be able to do that. And uh, she is willing to share her gifts with us and uh, give us just some practical tips for uh, eating uh, healthy despite busy schedules. And so we hope that you'll be there. The cost for the event is $10. That gets you dinner and childcare. Um, so we hope you'll sign up. You, you do need to register for this event. You can do so online. You can also fill out your connection card and we will get you registered for the event. Uh, but you just go to emmausroadfc.org slash registration, and that will give you all the, the online form to fill out uh, and register online. So uh, we hope that you'll do that, and um, it's going to be a really great time uh, for us as well as we just uh, continue in our series of family resource events. So let's say a word of prayer, and then uh, let's get, in, get uh, into this morning's message. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us, for your grace that is so real in our lives, and for the ways in which you demonstrate your love to us each and every day. Uh, God, we are uh, convinced that if we would have the eyes to see, uh, we would see the evidence uh, of your love around every corner, uh, that we would see uh, the evidence of your glory uh, in all of creation. Uh, And even though we live in a broken world where there's uh, lots of um, difficult, challenging, and sad things going on, we are still convinced, God, uh, that uh, this place is full of your glory and full of your presence. Uh, May we feel your presence today as we open up your word together as we seek to understand a little more about who you are and your character, God. Um, Be with us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, echo what Jacinda said, which is welcome to Family Sunday. Uh, We do Family Sundays every fifth Sunday of the month, which rolls around about four times a year. Uh, But I want to take a moment to say, you know, or address the question of why do we do Family Sundays? Uh, Well, we do Family Sundays uh, on the fifth Sunday, as I've already said, but we do it uh, in a way, as a way to invite our kids to join us in worship, but also to be a part of our service. And in fact, in a few minutes, I'm going to invite some of our young ladies to come up and read uh, some passages of Scripture for us this morning. Uh, but we do Family Sundays because we believe that kids are a central part of the body of Christ. 
we do it because we believe that kids are a central part of the body of Christ. Uh, Christianity is a received faith. Uh, that is to say that we have received the beauty of faith in Jesus Christ uh, from generations before us. And it is our privilege and it is our great joy and responsibility uh, to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ with, gener- with generations after us. And so Family Sunday is just a, a recognition that Christianity is a received faith. And we want to be faithful uh, to pass it on who the, the, for those who are coming behind us. And so we invest in our kids and we are thrilled to have our kids in our service today. So in fact, kiddos, if you're here, if you are in the Explorers class, hopefully you got one of these sheets. Uh, so we want you to be paying attention to listen for these words uh, and fill in and color in the shape as you hear those words, words like cross or Jesus or the Bible uh, or sing. And if you're listening carefully, I just said all of those words. Um, <laughs> that's right. And then if you are in our Pathfinder class, we have one of these for you, uh, which is going right along with the message. And I'm going to be referencing this. So Pathfinders, pay close attention to the message this morning, and you'll be able to fill this out. Uh, and it also has some questions just for you to answer on your own. Uh, but what I want to do today is I want to address the question, and I want to ask the question, what is God like? What is God like? You know, this is a really important question, and it is in fact a question that all of us must wrestle with at some point in our lives. At some point in our lives, we have to ask the question, address the question, what is God like? And we have to address that question because God simply cannot be ignored. God cannot just be ignored. We have to, in some way, address Uh, this question of what is God like. Uh, That is to say that all of us are people of faith, whether we uh, place our faith in Jesus Christ or whether we uh, take a step of faith and say, oh no, God simply does not exist or God simply does not matter. That in itself is the answer to a faith question that we have addressed in our own life and in our own heart. And so all of us have taken steps of faith and have to some degree answered the question, what is God like? Uh, and it's an important question because our view of God absolutely affects everything. It affects how we see the world. So, for example, uh, the answer to what is God like affects what we might think about uh, work and the purpose of work and the joys of work. It also might affect how we think about school. Uh, you know, you ne- probably have never made the connection that what I believe or think about God affects what I believe and think about school. But in fact, these two are connected. That who I believe God to be affects how I go to work. And how I go to school. It also affects how we see money. Is money to be used for his glory or is money to be used simply for my gain? Uh, It also affects our view of science. Is science uh, competing with faith and these two are in conflict? Or is science a means of understanding the beauty of God's creation? Uh, And and so uh, it affects not only how we see the world, but our view of God affects also how we treat other people. Uh, This idea of what I believe about God and who I believe God to be has a profound impact then on how I would treat my spouse or how I would treat uh, my parents or how I might treat my kids. It also informs how I would treat my coworkers or my classmates. Uh, The point I'm trying to make is that our view of God shapes in some way or another every single part of our life. And so properly understanding who God is is really, really important. Uh, But there are some preconceived notions about God. There are some ideas about God that are floating around uh, that I want to address here this morning. And and, and sometimes we we sort of, when we think about God, we, we might think about God as an angry principle, 
uh, an angry principal. Sometimes we think that God is sort of the guy in the sky uh, who is waiting to catch you doing something wrong. Uh, which maybe isn't totally unlike uh, how we might view an angry principal who's the guy in the office just waiting to call us in for something we did wrong, right? Uh, and sometimes uh, we, we also might think of God as a sort of being a cosmic Santa Claus. Uh, have you ever thought about that? That, that if, I, if uh, the, the God is there and he's going to bless me with good gifts as long as I'm not on the naughty list, uh, as long as sort of my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, uh, then God, if we see him as being a Santa Claus, he is, is, there, he is somehow there uh, like obligated to bless me because when, when you weigh the scales of my life, I've got more good things than I have bad things and I've managed to stay off the naughty list. And you know, if, if that's you, then there's a, probably a pretty good chance that you're seeing God as sort of this, this Santa Claus in the sky. You know, the other thing that we often form and shape our view of God from is your dad. Uh, you, you, might, you might come to understand God uh, as being like your dad. And of course, this is very natural because we often refer to God as father. And, and so very naturally, we, we tend to view God in the same way that we view our own fathers. And for many of you, this is a good thing. Uh, that you have, have come from a home where your dad was loving and supportive uh, and it really exemplified uh, the way of Jesus Christ and the qualities of God. But for many of you, this is uh, maybe a tragic thing, a very bad thing, uh, where you may come from a home where your dad was absent, aloof, or even abusive. Uh, and so for you, maybe referring to God as father brings up all sorts of, uh, of negative images of being hurt or uh, being let down or even worse. Uh, and so we can, we can get our ideas and our views about who God is and what God is like uh, from a lot of different sources. Uh, but in order for us to really understand what God is like, I, I think we have to uh, really look at the scriptures and say, what is, what is the witness, what is the evidence of, of God that we receive from scripture itself? And so for us to kind of get a, a handle and understanding this, uh, I want to ask and invite a couple of readers to come on up. So uh, this is Addie and Brenna Ketchum. Come on up, girls. They're going to read some passages of Scripture for us. Let's welcome them as they come up. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Good. First John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another in If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Good. All right, let's give him a hand. Great job. And then I want to read Hebrews uh, chapter 1, the first uh, two or three verses. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. For the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. For after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I want to read the first first part of verse 3 again. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If, if we're going to know and to answer this question, what is God like? Uh, the answer must come back that God is like Jesus. Uh, that God is like Jesus. That it, it, whenever we think about God, whenever we have a question about God and his character or what he is like or what's important to God, we need to look at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, because if, as, as sort of a foundational Christian belief, we have to say that God is like Jesus. And, and I want you to, uh, some of our uh, more liturgical brothers and sisters, Episcopalians uh, and the like, Anglicans, uh, will sometimes have icons that they use. And so icons, uh, if you've grown up sort of in the evangelical circles, you sort of have a have a. a, a a, a negative reaction to that. Oh, an, an icon. Why would you ever have that? Uh, but this passage in Colossians that Brenna read says that literally that Jesus Christ is the icon of God. He is the picture of God. Jesus Christ is the picture of God. And you might say, well, how do we do that? Because in the Old Testament, Jesus says, uh, don't form or fashion uh, any model of me. Uh, but what, Jesus, what God does is he says, don't form or fashion anything in, in my image because you might get it wrong. But then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to represent for us and to show us what God is like. And so as the early church and early Christians were wrestling with, should we, should we portray paintings of Jesus Christ? Should we make these pictures of God? The church ultimately came to the decision that yes, it is okay. Even though God has said, don't make any images in my, uh, don't make any fashion, any things in my image. Uh, we can make pictures of Jesus Christ because the image of God is in fact Jesus Jesus is the icon of God. And so as a foundational Christian belief, uh, we need to know that Jesus uh, Christ gives us a picture of what God is like. If you want to know the character of God, we look at Jesus. If you want to know what's important to God, we look at what mattered to Jesus. If you want to know what God is up to in the world, then we look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. For Jesus is 
the picture of God. And so the question is, what then do we learn about God by looking at the life of Jesus? And kiddos, if you're listening right here in this bottom section, here are two points that I want to make for you this morning so you can fill in the blanks. It says that first in first Col- or Colossians 1, 15, um, says that God is like Jesus. Jesus shows us that God is love. You can fill in the blank. Jesus shows us that God is love. And you'll remember then, and I want to call to your attention the passage that Addie read that, that, that showed us and demonstrated this to us, that God is love. God is the source of love. God just doesn't define love. He doesn't give us a picture of love. God is love itself. And then we are then called to love one another. And by doing so, the Spirit of God lives in us. He said, the Scripture says, no one has ever seen God, but if we are practicing love for one another, then God lives inside of us. And perhaps the best example that shows us that God is love is, of course, Jesus' death on the cross, where Jesus took on not only our sin, your sin, but all the sin of the world upon himself. That what Jesus Christ is doing on the cross is, in fact, absorbing all the sin of the world. That is individual sin that we would call sins, and that is systems of sin, systemic sin that runs so rampant in our world. What Jesus Christ is doing on the cross is he's absorbing all of that sin, past, present, and future upon himself, dying and then defeating that sin through the, through the resurrection because the sin itself led him into death. And so when we think about the, the, the fact that we are broken, that we are uh, living in brokenness, that we are sinful humanity and a sinful people, and we see that God saw us in our brokenness, he saw us in our time of need, and he took that sin upon our, himself and then died and then has defeated that sin through the resurrection. That is why we talk about the cross as being the ultimate sign of God's love. And it is something that we don't have to earn Can I say to you today, church, that you do not have to earn God's love. There's nothing that you could do. There's nothing that you could not do that would earn God's favor or call God's favor against you. That God's love is poured out for all of humanity and it is given freely. It is given freely. You don't have to earn God's love. In fact, the moments when we were at our worst, we are still infinitely loved by God. One of my favorite passages that, that communicates this is Romans 5, 8, where the Apostle Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know what that passage says to me? It says that Jesus Christ saw me in all of my utter brokenness and still had compassion on me. Because of his love for me, he desires to heal my brokenness. And what is true, of course, of of me is true of you and is true of all of humanity that Jesus Christ saw us, all of us in our brokenness and he had compassion on us for his desire was to heal our brokenness. When you look at the cross and the resurrection and you say, what is this all about? Can we answer that question with saying, oh, it is all about God sort of satisfying his nasty wrath against us? The answer, of course, to that is no. What we look at the cross and the resurrection and what is going on there, it is the, in fact that Jesus Christ saw us in our brokenness, had compassion and love for us, and wanted to heal our brokenness. That's what the cross and the resurrection are all about, is God wanting to heal our brokenness. And so God 
is love. Jesus shows us that God is love. God loves all people. He desires that all people would come to know him by faith. And as then the people of God who have received this great love, we are then called to share this love with others. That love has as one of its, uh, one of its core attributes the desire to be shared. Have you ever thought about that? That one of the core things of love is that it desires to be spread and, and be shared among other people. When a couple falls in love, they want to share and tell all of their friends. When they have decided to make a covenant with one another and enter into marriage, they invite family and friends to come and bear witness to this love that they share and this love that they have. That that love has as its core attribute a desire to be shared. And so as we have received the love of God and have been benefactors of the tremendous love of God, then God's love calls, calls us forth to go and then share that love with other people. And I grieve any time that I see the church withholding the love of God that, is desi- that he desires to spread out into the world. What this ultimately means then is that we shouldn't judge or look down on others simply because they are different from us on any metric that you want to use. But rather we must realize that we are all part of humanity. There simply is no them. There is only us. And this also means that when we don't feel loved, maybe because our friends have made fun of you, Maybe because your family has said hurtful words. In those moments, you can rest in the confidence that God loves you because he has created you and he has died to free you from the grip of sin and he invites, to, and he invites you to share in his resurrection life. That whatever, in those moments when we don't feel loved, maybe by our spouse, maybe by another family member, maybe by a friend, someone else that we love, and we don't get that love coming back, and maybe we feel all alone and we feel completely isolated, it is in those moments we need to learn to rest in the unending love of God. And we would never know the love of God. We would never see tangible evidence of the love of God were it not for Jesus. Jesus demonstrating, uh, representing, and pouring out God's love for us. And so the first thing that we need to know is that Jesus shows us that God is love. The second thing, kiddos, come back. The second thing that I want you to fill out here, Jesus' life shows us that God is making all things new. New is the thing you want to fill in there. Jesus' life shows us that God is making all things new. Now, you've heard stories about how Jesus did miracles, right? Uh, But have you ever asked the question, why Jesus performed those miracles? And I would want to say to you today that it wasn't just to show that he is powerful. Jesus wasn't just doing miracles as a way of showing off to the world. Hey, look at this. I'm Jesus and look what I can do. Uh, That wasn't it at all. But Jesus is, is rather doing those miracles. He did miracles. He does miracles in order to show us how the world should be. 
He does the miracles as a way of showing us how the world should be. So when someone was sick, he healed them. When someone is blind, he makes it so that they can see. And when there is a lack of food or drink, uh, God comes in, Jesus comes in with provision, and he provides. Jesus shows us that God takes the things that aren't right in the world, and he is moving them and shaping them so that they are right. That's what Jesus' miracles and his ministry is all about, taking what is broken and bringing wholeness to it, taking something that didn't work as it was intended to be and then making it work according to God's glory and his purposes. Now, what's curious about this, of course, is that he doesn't always choose to do this. But we shouldn't see that as evidence that he's not concerned or doesn't care. But rather we should see and we should know uh, that the fact that he does sometimes do it shows us that God is healing a broken world kids, adults, if I want you to hear one thing today, I want you to hear that God is healing a broken world. That is the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is not that we will someday escape and get out of this place. The hope of the gospel is not someday that God will finally destroy this place that is so broken. The hope of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is healing this place. He is restoring brokenness and bringing wholeness. And in fact, that is God's heart, to make things new and to fix what is broken. So what Jesus does is he shows us what in the world God is up to. Jesus, in his life, shows us what God is up to. And what God is up to is that where there is brokenness, he desires to bring about wholeness. Where, where, where there is fear, he wants to replace that fear with peace. Where, where there is sadness, he wants to turn the sadness into joy. And where there is a hunger, where there is a longing, where there is an ache for something, God wants to bring satisfaction uh, in, in perfect purity and holiness. Where there is something that we just sort of ache in our bones, for and maybe sometimes we can articulate it other times we can't what God is up to in the world is making it so that the ache will disappear and we will one day be fully satisfied what God is up to in the world is transforming death into life amen that's what God is up to and Jesus shows us that and so whenever we have to try whenever we're asking the question what is God like what is God up to what does God care about then we need to look no further than Jesus Christ. We can get our ideas about God from a lot of different areas, from a lot of different things. But church, we need to know that God looks like Jesus. And what God is doing with his church is he is trying to raise up a Jesus-looking people. And so maybe just a really simple question for our church and then for the church, the capital C church, is just to simply ask the question, does the church look like Jesus? And if the answer is no, then I think maybe we've gotten off somewhere. If we've drawn lines that Jesus didn't draw, if we've made judgments that that Jesus asked us not to, if we've, just, if we've gotten off track, a really great way to know that and to recognize it is just to simply ask the question, 
Do the people of God look like Jesus? Do they look like the body of Christ? Because that's what God is doing. God looks like Jesus, and he's raising up a Jesus-looking people. But I think the, one of the things that I want to mention is that because God looks like Jesus, what this ultimately means is that we can trust God. That we can trust God. That even though lots of things are not as they should be in the world, God is on a mission to make all things new, which means we can place our trust in him. We can place our hope in him. We can weather the storms of life. We can weather the difficulties of life. We can walk through challenges and maintain our faith and maintain our hope, knowing and resting in the certainty that God looks like Jesus. Amen? And then, of course, he invites you and I to help to help him on his mission by helping others, by praying for others, and by being obedient to him. And so I know it's a simple message, but I think it's a message that is much uh, easier to say from a platform than to live out in our lives. It's a much easier message to sort of grasp on an intellectual level, but then move it to our hearts and begin to say and to ask difficult questions about our life and about our attitude And to say, do the people of God look like Jesus? And does my view of God align with who Jesus is revealed to be in Scripture? Because here's the order. God is perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. But the fullest revelation of Jesus is the Scripture. But let's not elevate words on a page above the person of Jesus Christ. But we need to know that the scriptures bear witness to Jesus and the person and life of Jesus ultimately bears witness to the person and the character of God. And so, whenever we wonder what God is like, let's together as a church proclaim with our lives and with our lips that God is like Jesus.